Hello and welcome to Sickle Tales. I'm your host, King of Day, and this is kind of a, uh, I guess you could say, introduction slash preface uh, episode. I didn't really want it to be like the first episode because I feel like there was a lot of information that kind of needs to be discussed before I even have a first episode. So I kind of wanted to give a little bit of background and understanding as to why the pod was created and a bunch of other topics that kind of go hand in hand with that. So first of all, obviously the name of the pod is Sickle Tells and it was inspired by my experiences having sickle cell anemia um, as well as just what I feel has been the challenges that come along with it and those that do have this hereditary condition. A lot of people don't really understand what it is, and that also brought me to wanting to talk about it more and more, because the more that I would have conversations with people was the more that I would come to the realization that there just was a lack of knowledge being spread in regards to this, and I think that the more people understand what sickle cell anemia is, the easier it can be for people to just take preventative measures when it comes to uh, interacting with anybody that may not truly understand what the effects of sickle cell anemia can have on your family when it comes to procreating and having children. So uh, with that being said, um, let's kind of just jump into it. You know, what is sickle cell anemia? A lot of people don't really understand what sickle cell anemia is. They know that it is a blood disorder, but they don't really understand what type of blood disorder is. Is it something that is contagious? Is it not? And I think aside from all of that, people need to understand the difference between sickle cell anemia and just anemia, period. And the thing that people don't realize is that anemia is just a condition that develops when your blood lacks enough healthy red blood cells or hemoglobin. Now, sickle cell anemia obviously is a form of anemia, but that's not the only way you can be anemic. There can be other ways that you can be anemic, not only attached to sickle cell. So I think that's a very important thing to be said because, um, you know, people hear anemia or anemic and, you know, it kind of may not be a clear representation of what that means. So I think that that's an important understanding um, just to separate what sickle cell is versus overall anemia. Now, sickle cell anemia is a rare and severe hereditary form of anemia in which mutated forms of hemoglobin distort the red blood cells into a crescent shape at low oxygen rates. So the red blood cells typically don't carry enough oxygen just because of the way they are shaped to allow the body or the carrier to enjoy enough red blood cells to have a uh, easier time breathing. So sickle cell plays a lot into those aspects and now hemoglobin is the main part of the red blood cells that binds oxygen. So with that, you kind of get a better understanding as to how sickle cell anemia and hemoglobin have a correlation, how sickle cell 
anemia and overall anemia have a correlation and how they also have differences and they kind of don't always have to have each other tied into the equation to be effective in their jobs or purposes. Um, now, sickle cell trait, for those that may or may not know, is what you have to have in your genetic pool in order for the, the conversation of sickle cell to even be prevalent. And what sickle cell trait is, by definition, is anyone who inherits one sickle cell gene and one normal gene has the sickle cell trait. Usually they do not have any of the symptoms of sickle cell disease, but can pass the trait on to their children. So now, if you have the sickle cell trait, that means that you yourself are a carrier. And if you do not know that you're a carrier, then there's no way for you to take preventative measures or at least understand whatever sickle cell anemia is and the effects that it can have on you and your potential family from your family members that might have to participate in helping down to the actual child that may actually receive the hereditary condition of sickle cell. And how it works out is like this. Uh, if both parents have sickle cell traits, there's a 50% one in two chance that any child of theirs will also have the trait. If both parents have sickle cell trait, there's a 25% chance, one in four, that any child of theirs will have sickle cell disease. There is also a one in four chance that the child will not have either sickle cell disease or sickle cell trait. Now, the odds of your child being completely free of the trait and the disease are equal to your child being 100% a sickler or having sickle cell disease. So it's a real tough call to make. But then when you think about it on the other side, there's a one in two chance of your child having the trait, period, if both parents are carriers. So is that going to deter you from living your life and falling in love? No. But if you do have sickle cell anemia, it does play a huge part in, you know, who you happen to date and your dating process and all of those things and just because it may not affect you if your child happens to have sickle cell disease that's just going to be the norm that they're going to have to deal with because if not then they're just going to be putting their children as well as themselves in the same situation that you as a parent that didn't know any information or wasn't able to make a decision that made a little bit more uh sense because you knew a little bit better the opportunity to save so much grief and so much heartache from the family and from those that are around you. So a little bit of context also, because there are a lot of uh, statistics that, you know, kind of are important to this entire conversation. But uh, sickle cell is more common in certain ethnic groups, including African-Americans, and it's about one in 12 carry sickle cell trait. So one in every 12 African-Americans carry the sickle cell trait. Uh, those of African descent, and that's not only exclusive to West Africa, but also East Africa. Uh, Hispanic Americans from Central and South America, although um, most would expect it to be, or, well, I mean, most don't even know, but predominantly it's found in, a lot more uh, African-American and uh, American or black American 
or Caribbean um, genetic pools, but you will be able to see uh, some cases where Hispanic Americans from Central Latin America, Middle East, Asian, Indian, and Mediterranean descent will have uh, sickle cell trait and possibly sickle cell disease just because of the way genetic pooling is. That would bring forth uh, those kind of scenarios. And with that, in the United States of America, you have one in every 500 African-American births uh, is a sickle cell birth. And one in every 36,000 Hispanic births is a sickle cell birth. And, you know, with those numbers, just to keep you in, in context, also 100,000 people in the U.S. have sickle cell disease and millions of people worldwide have the disease. So again, it's not something that is extremely popular or well known, but it is something that affects a lot of people in America as well as in the entire world. And I feel that because it is something that is so I will say dangerous, but it's so impactful, I think there just needs to be more of a discussion that is had about it because there's so many people whose lives are being affected on a daily basis who need help, who need guidance, who people just don't have a true understanding as to like what they can do, what their options are. And, you know, this just, I know that having sickle cell anemia is tough. And I know that I don't even have the most severe case of it. And it's already faced or brought me to face a lot of challenges that I never in my life would have expected to have faced. So I can only imagine the six-year-old who is in the hospital two times a month and is just trying to enjoy being in first grade and making friends and can't. You know, those are the things that I think about, um, not because I'm obligated to, but because this just is a difficult thing to deal with. And there just doesn't seem to be enough conversation, just in my opinion, to allow people to feel comfortable with having sickle cell anemia or understanding that it's okay to have those rough days because it's just a part of life. And, you know, it just is what you've been given as your cards in life but that doesn't mean that you can't live a healthy full and uh meaningful life and i think that to me is the most important part because you know there's so much you know even in this podcast like i struggled with trying to um present this because i wasn't i didn't want it to just seem so sad and gloomy and depressing and you know so on and so forth but even for me um i recently was on vacation uh, with my fiance and <clears throat> we were having a phenomenal time and that turned into on our way back just a challenging travel back to the um to the states because we were coming from uh caribbean island jamaica and you know resulted in just me having to go to the hospital for about three to four days and i'm i don't go to the hospital as much as i did as a child you know i think i have figured out a way to just kind of manage, you know, my sickle cell to the best of my abilities. But, you know, I also have to remember that there isn't a real formula at times to prevent a crisis, you know. So 
you know, it was something that I had to deal with. I was forced to stop everything that I was doing and, you know, tend to what is pressing at hand, my life. Um, And it was just a reminder that this is never going to become easy for anybody, whether it's you who's, you know, already in your 30s as an adult trying to get the next phase of your life started or for like the four or five, six, ten year olds that are just trying to start their life and understand what it is to be a human being and, and a child or a young adult. So I felt like if anything, maybe I just need to start expressing what it is that I've dealt with or that I've seen to people and hoping that that'll give them the opportunity to understand that it's okay to have the feelings that you have in regards to this because everybody that is dealing with it has their own struggles but that doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to still have the fullness that you want out of life and I think that's just you know with coming to terms with this is what you have to deal with and you just need to um, find the best ways of handling that for you personally and that's another thing too you know there's so many um well, before I get into that, I want to talk about the different types of sickle cell um, disease. You have hemoglobin SS disease, which is the most common form and the most severe form of hemoglobin, known as excuse me HBSS. Typically, these patients experience the worst symptoms at a high rate. Next is hemoglobin SC disease, second most common form of sickle cell disease. It occurs when you inherit the HBC gene from one parent and the HBS gene from another. Similar symptoms, less severe. Hemoglobin SB beta thalassemia affecting the beta globin gene production the size of the red blood cells is reduced because of the because of less of the beta protein being made symptoms aren't as severe as if they inherited the sb gene hemoglobin sb0 beta thalassemia the fourth type of sickle cell disease also involves the beta globin gene similar to hbss Anemia in the symptoms at times the beta zero thalassemia are more severe. And then there's hemoglobin SD, SE, and SO. These are the rarest types, but not as severe. Now, the reason why all of these forms happen to be important and why talking about them is prevalent because a lot of people have sickle cell and don't necessarily know the form that they have. And that explains why there's so many severities in what their symptoms may be. So I personally, um, to my knowledge, am sick of beta thou. Um, I know that my brother, who also has sickle cell anemia, my younger brother, I believe he's also sick of beta thou, but I believe his is just a little bit more severe. So, um, you know, there might be some shades on the spectrum that, you know, kind of lean you in one direction or the other. Uh, But, you know, all of these things play a huge part because, you know, growing up, I know for sure I wasn't in the hospital as much as some other kids, but I still was in the hospital more than most people 
would be if they didn't have sickle cell. And that would, for me, be like maybe two to three times a year. But there was people that I met, you know, over the course of my life where they were in the hospital maybe six times a year, 12 times a year. Like they lived in a hospital, you know, a month at a time, two months at a time. Um, and, you know, again, at the age of 12 or 9, 6, 15, that's a very tough thing to deal with. Uh, you know, that's the time when you're trying to build friends and understand society and your place in society and, you know, what you want to be in this world. And it's just, it's tough to deal with. Like, there's no two or three ways to to explain how difficult that can be. So, you know, that is one of the important reasons amongst all of the other ones that I have, may have stated as I was going through the preface and the introduction of why I felt the need to have this discussion, you know, like it's just hard for somebody who is only able to understand sickle cell anemia through two people. And I think depending on when you were born, it may or may not resonate with you the same, but Prodigy, rest in peace to Prodigy from Mob Deep and, you know, T-Boss from TLC. Those are the only two people that I knew growing up that had, growing up that had sickle cell anemia. So for me, it, it kind of gave me a little bit of hope. Like, wow, there are people that are living a full life having sickle cell anemia. The hardest part about it was that I didn't see regular people. It was, you know, somewhat of quote unquote superstars or entertainers. So it, I wasn't really sure how I would be able to live as an adult with sickle cell anemia. I didn't know if I needed to have a lifestyle that was a lot freer or if I needed a certain level of structure uh, to prevent me from that, just not living the best life possible. Um, and I mean, those are conversations that I plan on having later on down the line. But, uh, you know, it just was tough just not being able to really see people that had sickle cell anemia thriving in the community or being able to actually have relationships with people that had sickle cell anemia. Like I was fortunate to have a brother who had sickle cell anemia and in the first couple of years uh, in you know elementary school, I was able to meet a friend who had sickle cell anemia as well. Uh, so, you know, just that made me feel personally a little bit more normal because I didn't feel that I was the only person that dealt with this. Or if I explained to them what a crisis was, they wouldn't understand. And that should lead me now to explaining what a crisis is for those that may not understand what a crisis is. And a sickle cell crisis is one of the biggest or most painful effects of sickle cell. But by definition, it's when the sickle cells block vessels in the body, causing painful and damaging blockages. And these crises can be triggered by illness, temperature change, stress, poor hydration, and altitude. So that is one of the most uh, painful and hardest parts of sickle cell anemia is when you go into a crisis. And those are the things that trigger them a crisis. But those are probably one of the hardest things to explain because if you've never had a crisis you wouldn't know what a crisis is, but if you've had one, it's pain on levels that wouldn't be fair to explain because it wouldn't do any sort of justice to what you've experienced. Uh, and to those that 
have had a crisis, you know, they understand why it's painful because they've experienced it. But when you think about children, because babies do have crisis if they're born with sickle cell anemia, they can't explain. They can't verbalize. They can't verbalize what it is that they're going through because they can't talk. So how can somebody that doesn't know what pain is or what sickle cell is explain to you what is going on? They just know that they're going through a crisis. Those are the things that truly, truly, truly just make me say that I have to do more because I was fortunate enough to find a spouse that, you know, does not have the trait. But in the case that I did want to have children and I came across somebody that did not, um, that was not uh, absent of the trait or was a carrier, I'm not sure if I'd be able to procreate because I don't think that I would be able to willingly put my child through some of the things that I went through um, and not feel as much guilt and pain and and so on and so forth just for doing that. Uh, So, you know, these are all, again, huge, huge, huge reasons as to why, you know, this conversation was even brought up and why I feel the importance of having this conversation is a lot of people um, that I've come across in my life, they've never met anybody that had sickle cell. Or if they did, you know, they only knew it as that, sickle cell. They didn't know what it was, how you, you know, get it. Or if it's something that can even be gotten, if it's hereditary. Like, they know nothing. And I don't feel like it's their fault. I feel like they can't want to learn about something that isn't being exposed to them in any way, shape, or form. The only time that I remember coming across sickle cell anemia was in school, and it was in usually science class during biology or whatever the case is, and most of the times the information that was given doesn't even compare to what we had in this conversation. It was more so like, this is what sickle cell is, most patients don't live past this age, it's commonly found in these people, this uh, genetic pool, and that's it. So I felt like, you know, for anybody that wanted to see themselves in a positive light or wanted to have hope or wanted to understand more about this, they don't even have anywhere to turn or people to reach out to to just kind of have a little bit more of a back and forth discourse to what it is that sickle cell means or is or what they've experienced to them personally. And I felt like if there was any time that it needed to be done, this was just kind of one of the times that I felt the most important. I, you know, have been going through a lot of changes in my life in regards to sickle cell. And there was no reason that I felt I shouldn't document it and just be a lot more transparent with this because it's a hard thing to do for a very long time, I felt. So just aware of sickle cell. Like, I didn't want to tell people I had it because I didn't want pity. I didn't want people to feel like they had to do things for me. But at the same time, you know, I, I needed some sort of uh, understanding as to why I may have been overdressed in the winter time, or maybe why, you know, I need to say super hydrated in the summer. You know, these are things that are personal to you, but they 
they become a part of, you know, what it is that you kind of have to explain to people because people, you know, when you get close to people, you don't want to shut them out of your life. And, you know, this is almost the most apparent thing in my life because it just plays such a huge role and it's gotten so much more prevalent in my life in the last, you know, seven, eight years. So I just felt like I might as well take the time to express that and Hopefully, in doing that, there be there will be other people that feel the need to reach out or just say that you know they're going through the same things and they understand the challenges and you know they're finding their own ways to live a healthy and fruitful life with sickle cell anemia because sickle cell is the most important thing in my life. It rules me in ways that I'll never be able to explain. You know, it, it predicts how my day is going. It predicts how my week will end. It does so many things. And it's not me saying that it controls me or I'm letting it control me, but it is just the facts. You know, there has to be a certain level of acceptance for me to know how I can truly live in this world with sickle cell anemia the best way possible. And that is one of the things that I've done. I've accepted that it has control over me that I can't explain and I can't run from so now I need to understand how I can maintain living a fruitful and healthy lifestyle and that's where I've come to so with that being said I don't want to hold you guys any longer uh the name of this podcast is sickle tells I'm king of day the sickle teller um you can reach out to me at King underscore a day underscore on Instagram and Twitter. If you need to reach out to the podcast, you can email us at sickleteller at gmail.com. That's sickleteller at gmail.com. And uh, again, I truly want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to this introduction slash preface episode of Sickle Tells podcast. It's truly been an honor and a pleasure. I just want to, you know, bring more awareness to something that really, really, really is a huge part of my life, um, my family's life, and those that are closest to me. So I just wanted to take the time to share that. And hopefully, you know, as I share bits and pieces of me, you guys will be able to understand that we can do so much work together if we just, you know, put everything aside, find common ground and push forward. So thank you guys again and keep fighting a good fight. Peace.